It's the Practical Medicine Podcast again. With Rob Balco. And Stephanie Lipnicki. And we're going to talk about stroke this evening. And we just want to remind everyone that it is our goal to bring awareness about many different ways to maintain health and heal your body, mind, and spirit, from acupuncture to Zen living and everything in between. <laughs> so this is podcast number four. And initially we were going to try and cover stroke and traumatic brain injury, but there is so much information just about stroke alone that we wanted to share. So we felt like we would, con rather than rush through either topic, we'll focus on stroke tonight and then we'll push out the traumatic brain injury stuff for another night and we'll cover that. We just don't know when yet. So just anticipate at some point in the future, you'll get to hear <laughs> us talking about traumatic brain injury. Right. So this is Dr. Rob's specialty. He specializes in neurological conditions. In addition to stroke, what are some of the other neurological conditions that you cover? Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS and the traumatic brain injury, concussions, things those, like that. Those right? sorts of things. Yeah. And how did you get <clears throat> involved with specializing in neurology? Did it, is it something that you started back in school or was it post-school? It actually or? started before school with uh, some family members getting strokes many, many years ago. And back then the prognosis was never good. There wasn't a lot they could do for people. And um, from there, it, it was rekindled in school uh, with acupuncture. Uh, and some of my earliest patients were stroke patients who okay. came to me, hey, you know, can this help? We've tried everything else. Uh, I tried uh, or used the uh, traditional scalp acupuncture points that we've all been trained as, as acupuncturists, uh, but unfortunately got very limited results. Um, within 24 hours, uh, you need to be treated for uh, a stroke. Otherwise, the prognosis is not very good. Okay. And um, so... What I found was in 2012, there was a, a trip going to China that covered stroke, and not only stroke, but stroke in a stroke-specialized hospital in China, yeah. which I came to find out is the way they do things in China, is the, the whole hospital is focused on stroke and brain injuries and paralysis, neurological issues. So uh, there's a lot of uh, cross-pollination of different okay. people working on it and studying it, and this uh, Dr. Xu, which really founded the hospital, uh, was the pioneer in this rather unorthodox way of treating acu um, treating strokes with acupuncture rather than using the the traditional scalp points that we would normally use right okay uh, considered pretty unorthodox for his time right so um, and you were saying it's relatively new like when mm -hmm. we think of acupuncture being you know they say there's different records some say 5,000 years some say 2,000 years you were saying that this particular um, way of treating is is fairly new. It's like a baby in terms of treatments, that it's only about 50 years old. That's correct, about 50 years, maybe a little longer. <clears throat> um, and at the same time, taken from uh, the traditional acupuncture uh, lineages in China at the time, okay. you know, it gets in, the history really gets into a little bit of the Cultural Revolution and uh, closing down some of the more esoteric acupuncture styles, but Dr. Schur was able to um, keep some of that and bring it into the hospital okay. and, and inculcate that into this treatment, okay? And uh, then the next thing that happened was a colleague of mine, 
uh, one of my teachers, really, Dr. Shu, who is on the Upper East Side of New York. He's was, uh, born in the United States, uh, ethnically Chinese, I guess you could say. Uh, went to China for two years and studied with Dr. Shu, okay. and was able to really uh, absorb that style uh, in depth and bring it back to the United States. And what he does now is he holds classes and, and, and trains us, the rest of the United States and even um, other parts of the world, in the style because he was okay. able to um, absorb so much of the way Dr. Sher was Well, yeah, in two studying, years you're, you, know. you get a lot of that right. experience right. versus a yeah. lot of times the trips like that schools hold are only a couple of weeks long. Sometimes a month. I've, you know, I had mm -hmm. classmates that I think studied in China, not necessarily stroke, but you know, studied for like a month, but if you're there two years, you're, you're getting a lot more of it. And, and right. so how long have you been studying with, with Clayton? About three years. Okay. Right. So, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll have classes on uh, the specific, uh, issues, right? So we've got extremity problems, paralysis, and the ability of the, the hands to grasp or the feet to, to pronate when you're walking up a set of stairs, okay. gait and things like that, uh, aphasia, speech, okay swallowing and, and other things that affect the the neck region okay for example um, and then even um, working on cognition and and speech okay. and, you know, getting that person to come out from this closed down uh, condition that they're in right okay. right so and um, you've and you've in addition to training with Clayton, you were saying that you've shadowed him and assisted him now because you've trained. That's for correct. A while yep. with him. I guess it was last year, last spring. I was fortunate enough to go to his office on the Upper East Side <clears throat> and uh, s support him in treating his patients, do some moxa on the patients, uh, maybe do a little bit of needle manipulation, something like that. But really to observe him and, and watch him be with people. And, and that really fills out the rest of the treatment is how you communicate with someone. The rapport. Our, the rapport okay. and the connection and the, the importance of trying to reach that person who's kind of been closed off from the world by their inability to communicate, whether it's physically or with speech. Right. right? So just back to a point that you made before that, you know, the, the prognosis being like you really want to start within 24 hours of treating someone, but you're... From what it sounds like, even if it's been more than 24 hours, you're mm -hmm. still able to break that barrier and, mm -hmm. and help that patient, even if it's been a significant amount of time since the actual stroke occurred and right. make progress. Right, yep. In one of the case studies we'll get into, uh, the patient hadn't come to me for many months before treatment. In uh, the, the movie that we'll, we'll talk about um, where we... Uh, the um, stroke victim's brother chronicled his journey. Right. Uh, had spent three months in the U in the U.S. doing physical therapy and various other modalities. So it was a bit of time before he actually found acupuncture. Before he got to acupuncture. Um, okay. And then there's even a story that Dr. Shu told us where um, the couple just uh, couldn't make appointments and they really wanted to travel and enjoy their lives. And they were willing to have a limited um, improvement. Came okay. back months later. And after okay. a few more treatments, still improved dramatically. Right. You know, so it's it's a different kind of treatment from what we as acupuncturists are used to, and it's a different kind of treatment that patients are. Right. Would Which be I think used is to. good for for anyone listening to hear because someone that they love may have had a stroke, and then think, well, okay, it's way longer than 
you know, 24 right. hours, it's been a year to know that they There's could come and see someone. There's nothing more that can someone. be done, right? Yeah, or that you know. they're told nothing more can be done, right. that this is another right. option to make progress and that even if it's small things like mm -hmm. they can't grip something and you can make that change and then they can hold their fork, let's right. say, or right. their spoon so right. that they can eat. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Talk to me a little bit just um, for the listeners uh, about the definition of what's considered a stroke. Okay. So uh, a stroke is really a, any damage to the brain or spinal cord caused by an abnormality of blood supply. So something in, shifts in it. In one case, it's, it's uh, a loss of blood flow, or in another case, it's a brain bleed. And in the loss of blood flow, it's called ischemia. And that's the most common one. About 78% of okay. uh, strokes are ischemic strokes where the blood supply has been choked off, probably by a blood clot, okay. and now the brain is being starved. And one of the things that happens is uh, part of that tissue may die off, but then one thing that uh, has been determined or discovered through uh, imaging is part of the part of the brain will um, shut down okay. or, or go into like a um, like well, hibernation, hibernation, or in a standby mode if in, in the computer world, you know, as okay. surrounded by computers here. So it's there; you know, it just needs to be like restarted. Right. It's, okay. it's, it's protecting itself. Much okay. the way other parts of our body protect themselves, you know, and other injuries that we, we're used to treating. And in the other case of a bleed, now the blood is damaging the tissue because blood's okay. not supposed to be in the brain, right? We have a right. blood, brain, blood, brain barrier. Blood brain barrier, the BBB. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, that's another set of problems. But really, essentially, you know, for our purposes of this discussion, we're talking about the same thing as damage to the tissue, Right. So, which impedes function, and we're trying to get that function back to the extent that we can. Okay. And what are some of the problems that these, you know, patients have after the stroke? It, it can be in uh, this area of the throat. So, you know, we've got a paralysis there. We're losing our ability to swallow, to speak, uh, or to form certain words. Right. The the, the brain can can um, knows what it wants to say, but the tongue and mouth aren't saying those things. And right. isn't there a component sometimes where the patient might think something but say another word? So there's different types of ways that the speech itself is affected. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then moving down the body, we have uh, the, the arm grasping, holding items, steadying yourself, um, walking, your, your gait. Uh, and the feedback that's going back to the brain is, is getting mixed up. So people wind up uh, what I call serpentining down a hallway, you know, and I'll take video of them on intake and then in a few weeks to see that progress. Excellent. And you'll see them constantly heading off in one direction or the other, or they're heading off in one direction and then they correct themselves by coming back. And then again, they're, they're still heading listing off. Listing kind of to one listing side. Listing to one side. Okay. In, in some cases it really is, they are really crooked that way. Okay. But in their mind, they're as straight as they can possibly be. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, sometimes it, you don't notice it so much, but as practitioners, we see that because if, when you look at something like that all day, you, you can start pick it to up pick quicker. up on that slight little difference. Yeah. You know, the way, like the way you might see someone's trapezius is a little higher than the other one, right. or you as a, doing aesthetic work, you might see differences st in the face, structural differences, yeah. muscular differences, things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Let's talk about some of the statistics about stroke, because I, I don't know that people will realize just how um, 
pervasive. Yes. <laughs> Epi- epidemic, possibly. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, one of the big things that uh, isn't really listed in what we're talking about here is, but as an overview, is in, say, 2017, 2018, stroke was listed as a number four killer in the United States. And it's, almost, it's in second place now, and it's very okay. quickly going to be number one. And the original projections were that it would be the number one killer by 2030. Okay. And it, and moved, it moved that fast. And it's moved that fast, right? Um, one in six deaths from cardiovascular disease are due to stroke. Okay. Okay. And a stroke occurs every 40 seconds in the United States. Every 40 seconds. Yeah. That's 2,160 a day. So it just boggles the mind. Which, in, in, when we were chatting about this, put it into perspective that, so in Allentown and Upper Freehold, which is the immediate area surrounding my clinic, so my clinic is in Allentown, I don't even think Allentown itself has more than 900 residents, and then Upper Freehold has maybe 4,000 residents. So you're talking about half, either the entire, more than the entire population of the town where my clinic is in, or half the population dying, not just having a stroke, dying from a stroke. <clears throat> Every day. Every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little skewed to say it's a town, but it helps you get perspective right. of the number of people, but then to see it every day. So in any given day, right. um, part of a small town disappears from the yeah. United States. Right. From a preventable condition. Right. Right. Or dis- I don't know if you want to call it a disease or not. But um, every year, almost 800,000 people have a stroke and 610,000 of them, so most of them, six out of eight strokes are first-time strokes, right? And they're happening younger and younger in people, right? right. This used to be, you know, an, an old, old person disease, right. you know, where someone 65 plus might get them, but now we're seeing them at any age, really, at any age, but we're seeing them consistently in the 50s and 40s now. So younger right. and younger. Yeah. And uh, one in four strokes are uh, with people who have already had one. Okay. Okay. So, so the chances of you having another one are pretty good if you if you've already had one. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, just a quick note on the hemorrhagic strokes, the the brain bleed that can happen uh, coming up into the neck and the carotids, the subarachnoid area. There's an there's a artery that runs around the base of the skull that can happen. It can be inside the, the brain. It can be uh, on the, between the um, skull and the brain. There's lots of different places where that and can see, happen. And see, when you think of like testing, like you should mm-hmm. have this test at this age and this test at whatever age, they aren't normally doing the ultrasound of the carotids uh, until you're like into your 60s. So when you're talking about people later. having them younger and younger, yeah. should we, you know, should Western docs then be testing the carotid arteries sooner? Is it <laughs> something that should be part of more like, you know, and I know insurance companies don't want to pay for anything. So, you know, it's like, but it sounds like it might be something that yeah. should be tested a little bit, right. you know. Right. And that falls under prevention. Right? right. And the big question is how much prevention do you do? Right. right. You know, and, and we've seen in, in our experience, um, the medical community changed their mind. Right. Yeah. And they say, no, you don't have to do a, a breast exam before right. this certain age. Or you don't need colonoscopies before this. Or they should only be done every five years and right. things like that. And a lot of that is economic. Right. Right. 
So it's it's hard to say. My answer to that is take better care of yourself, right? Right. Is is be proactive. It, it's easier right to dig a well when you're not thirsty than it is to try and dig a well when you're right thirsty, when you're hurting right? your arm. Right. And strokes so. are costly. Yes. The uh, in 2014 and 15 the stroke-related costs in the U.S. came to nearly $46 billion. I wish I had a $46 billion thing I can compare that to because right. that's, you know, that's an incredible amount of money. And that includes the health care, the medicines, and the missed days of work. So, right. You know, all that productivity. And, and then comes into play, like, when you talk about the it being a long-term disability, the person who, let's say they are 40 and it's a severe stroke and they can't go back to work. 40 is very young to have to be on long-term disability in terms of, you know, cost for life. And exactly. And that's a big part of it. Right. right. And uh, how many people plan for long-term disability? No. Right. No. You know, I think, or they're, they're too busy paying their other bills to worry about that. Right. right. Um, uh, another um, cost is stroke reduces mobility in more than half of stroke survivors age 65 and over. So now they're not able to not only maybe contribute uh, to the workplace, they can't really enjoy themselves and their family right. because, because they've Im been immobilized in some way. Right. right. They can't enjoy their grandchildren by playing with them, maybe wandering around the playground or maybe they can't cook for themselves. Yeah, I was just right? going to say just simple themselves. tasks that you would do day to day right. that we all, you know, take for granted that mm -hmm. we're able to do. Right. So certainly their quality of life has been diminished. Right. In the very least. Right. So and another thing that comes into play and and race and ethnicity becoming a part of it and access to care. Like when they say that those first 24 hours are the most critical, um, you know, that the risk, you were talking about the risks being higher amongst African-American populations. and It's actually twice as high. Twice as high. Right. The numbers are double for African-Americans. Right. And they have the highest death rate due to stroke of any ethnicity. And again, I keep yeah. thinking, is it, are they not getting, you know, when we were chatting about this, not getting the care? Like there isn't someone there who knows the signs to look for. They don't get to the hospital in time and therefore, it, you know, their chances of survival are lower. Right. Yep. Yeah. A big, um, if you go to the CDC website and you look at the map and it's, it's glaring how stroke prevalence goes from Texas to Georgia in the south and almost stops dead um, above, uh, at Tennessee. So it's, it's really prevalent in the south. And the south is fairly rural. So how long is it taking? To get to the hospital. Uh, you know, a, an ambulance or a family. Maybe the family puts them in right. a car and drives them to the hospital. Yeah. And then what, is, what are the odds that that hospital has the capability to handle a stroke? Right. In a rural county, yeah. say, in the middle of Alabama. You know, so you can see why these numbers might be higher than right. say in, in an urban center yeah. where there's a regional trauma center. Yeah, like we're so close to New York and Philly, like we have access to right. the best hospitals, best doctors mm -hmm. for just about anything that goes wrong. Right, um, and they can be medevaced from right. one place to another. You yeah. Know, right, is Jersey Shore uh, right here has, um, it's, we actually have a second now uh, helipad okay. for, for um, any, any accident uh, out on the highway 
they're going to medevac that person immediately to the hospital and give them, you know, the best right. care they can get. There's actually an emergency room on the top of the helipad. Oh, wow. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, little, I little did trivia not. there is some of the bigger hospitals actually have uh, an emergency room at the top of the hospital, and when the call comes in, they send a, a, a crew a up. up there to do that rather wow. than get that person through the hospital. They've saved minutes right. by treating them. So yeah, so you're in this rural area then and you get to the hospital and they don't even have a neurologist, let's say. That's like you said, to Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. helicopter to transport them. And those initial moments are making such a huge difference. Um, So what are some of the warning signs that people can look for? Because I feel like Mm -hmm. I want this to you know, be a resource for people that they could say, okay, this Mm -hmm. is what everyone should be looking for so that they can help somebody else who potentially has a stroke. Going to get to that in a second. I wanted to uh, give you one last statistic because there was a question about um, uh, strokes and age. And fully one third of people hospitalized for strokes were less than 65 years of age. And the question was, um, why, why so young? And uh, I think it's, it's uh, diet, lifestyle, uh, the standard American diet, unfortunately, yeah. um, gives us a lot of what we're going to see in a slide or two of the um, uh, risk factors. Risk factors, right. right. That uh, bring us to that. So we want to put up that fast slide for people to look at while I talk about um, the warning signs. The warning signs. Uh, the first one is visual, is a, is a face drooping. You'll see, you'll see someone's face might droop. Uh, they might on one side. On one, typically just one side for you know, ninety nine percent of the cases. Um, otherwise, they're unconscious more than likely. Um, uh, the person will have trouble understanding you, or speaking inco- They'll be speaking incoherently. Uh, they'll have trouble communicating. Um, they'll be confused um, if they do get up from whatever they're sitting because they'll want to sit down. Uh, they'll have trouble walking. Uh, they may have a painful headache. Um, you may notice weakness in their arm. Uh, if you see any of these, call 911. It's, um, it's worth it. Don't be afraid to call 911. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna come. They're going to show up. They're going to assess the situation with the skills that, that you may not have and then be able to go from there. Maybe. And then if you are in one of these rural areas, like we were saying for some people, just go. Mm-hmm. Don't. Don't sit at home and wait it out. Take that person to whatever emergency room is close by, even if it's an hour away, because that first 24 hours of trying to stabilize it are so critical. So if you're not in an area where EMS can come and get you, to take that person in. Especially if they're feeling numbness. Um, They'll feel it in their face. They'll feel it in their arm and leg. on one, one side or another, uh, make sure whoever you talk to, you tell those things to, because remember this person can't communicate for themselves. Right. Uh, any little piece of information is going to be helpful. Um, you, you never know what it's going to be. Right. Um, I had a case where uh, someone close in my life had experienced those symptoms and I called a friend of mine and, and, and he had a long experience with, um, in-home care and seniors and stuff like that. And he said, make sure you, when you talk to the ER nurse, that you make it very clear that this person has had numbness coming down their face. Maybe it's nothing, but you're going to get the care that you need over someone who, you know, twisted their ankle. Right. So this, this is a neurological issue. It's a little more important. 
let's let's take advantage of of the information and get that person care right and then we can stabilize them it's, it's, right. that's so important so what puts puts us in general at risk okay. for a stroke okay. we're going to go to the next slide so people can see this while i'm talking about it um, this is very big this is these are the big risk factors and i would ask people as we go down this list think about it do you or someone you know fit this criteria right right um, someone who is overweight or obese right they don't have to be very much overweight but it is a factor okay um, are they active or not are, are they sitting on the couch every day are they getting ex any exercise at all right um, are they a heavy drinker or a binge drinker or are they using illicit drugs or cocaine methamphetamine um, to bring this, to, let's take that and look at Chinese medicine for a second. Right? And what we see a lot in uh, obesity, physical inactivity, and heavy drinking is now this is damaging the blood. Right? Right. It's creating a lot of like heaviness, stickiness. heaviness, stickiness, gooiness in, in the blood, right. which you know is not a far cry from saying now we have embolisms. Right now, right. We, now we've got plaques. You know, occlusions. The, the, the arteries are starting to close Get down. Smaller and. It makes sense that these are risk factors for a stroke. Right. Right. Um, so, and those are lifestyle risk factors, right? So, those are things we can change. Right. right? Um, lose the weight, get some exercise, go for a walk. You know, I always tell patients of mine, you don't, I'm not, ask, I'm not asking you to be an Olympian. Right. But walk down to the mailbox. You know? Right. And then after you've done that a few times, walk down to your neighbor's mailbox. Walk, walk around and, the block. And get to right. the point where you're walking is, around is, the block. Is get, you know, get things moving because that nourishes everything. Right? right. Every time you move your muscles, the muscles squeeze the veins and they push blood back into your heart. Right. right? Get, get circulation going. It sounds like a little thing, but, but it's, it's big. a big thing. Right. Right. And then you can enjoy a drink if you're doing right. those things okay maybe not binge drinking that's such a good idea right but you know we want you to we want to see you healthy and moving along right okay now the other ones really are now secondary conditions caused by things like the first list we went through right high blood pressure um, exposure you know s s what is cigarette smoking really right. right we're medicating ourselves right <laughs> you know it's stress but it's also stress creating that that right? idea that you know you're trying to oxygenate the blood and mm -hmm. and when you're damaging mm -hmm. the lung it's that transfer of oxygen the blood isn't getting the same amount of oxygen so then the tissues right. don't get as much oxygen and then you have that clot formation going on mm -hmm. right high cholesterol right is another example of this you know yeah gooing up the blood right. right or making it all sticky and right you know creating problems in the in the blood flow which is dietary i mean you're talking about what you're putting well for in most cases sure. i have seen yeah. some instances where yeah. it's um congenital and sure. then the person is on medication and what they eat isn't making a difference right. back to the blood pressure thing i think all the time of um examples when we were in school and one of the teachers dr olga would say you know if a patient tells you i only take my blood pressure medication when i feel like my blood pressure is high <laughs> it's like no you don't understand that's not the, like unless you're right. in i mean if it's consistently high you need to take that medication every day and the way she mm -hmm. would say it was is that if the blood pressure is high the blood is slamming through the vessels mm -hmm. And then it creates these little like micro tears. And so the body's 
response to heal them is to kind of clot around those micro tears and then mm. more and more attaches right. to them and that contributes like you said to that narrowing of the vessel right. and then you know one of those breaks off and then you have this embolism potential because you have the clot floating right so mm -hmm. yeah when don't ever come into a practitioner and say i'm not taking my blood pressure medication right. Right. unless i feel like my blood pressure is mm -hmm. high and then you have diabetes, right. which has many, many issues with it, right? That brings all sorts of problems to the body, right. healing, and circulation. And I feel like with di diabetes, right? it's not just type mm -hmm. 2 diabetes. There yeah. is, you know, so type yeah. 1 diabetes for listeners, the patient who has that, their pancreas is not producing any insulin at all, but it still puts them in risk factor categories for having heart attack and stroke, even though right. it's something beyond their control. Someone who has right. type one diabetes is not necessarily having it because they're eating the wrong thing and because they're mm -hmm. overweight or not do not mm -hmm. exercising mm -hmm. or. Right, yep. The, the next one is sleep apnea, <clears throat> which I have seen in anyone who's slightly overweight you can have sleep apnea, okay? Right. And this is a real problem with oxygen levels um, dropping dropping through the night and it, it disrupting sleep, disrupting heart function. Uh, it, it's, a, to me, a, one of those things that people take lightly where they just they get a CPAP or something and they don't right. think much about it, but it has or some long-term problems. Yeah. And the last one, cardiovascular disease, as we mentioned in the beginning, uh, heart failure, heart defects uh, are primary indicators for a stroke. Right. right. And if you have, if you were playing along at home and you have four or more of these, you are at risk for a stroke. So if you have five or six of these, you're really at a risk for a stroke. Right. And you and need to start making some changes. If you know someone, right, a family member, that checks off more than four or more of these boxes, um, you really want to start thinking about getting care for that person. Um, and what's great about the acupuncture that I practice for the, for stroke is actually a preventative also. Right. So I, when I'm evaluating someone, I might notice some of these factors. Right. Or I might notice some physical factors uh, in my physical assessment of them. And I will let them know and I will start treating them with stroke protocol right as, I, as we call it. it i i was sharing this with you when i was looking up different things to so that we could have a conversation because mm -hmm. like i said this is not my specialty but i mm -hmm. wanted to at least be able to converse with you um i had read an article in neural regeneration research journal that mentioned that in um in their process of researching acupuncture and its impact post-stroke you can take that slide down it showed that there was reason to theorize that acupuncture and e-stem electrical acupuncture um, has a preventative and protective effect on cerebral ischemic injury. So there's, there's this idea that we talk about all the time that acupuncture should be considered as a preventative. You don't have to wait until you think that there's something wrong to go and see your acupuncturist. Do it so that you're maintaining your health. You, you wanna catch the body before it goes into a state of, of unbalance and keep it balanced right. because stress comes in and does different things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by getting acupuncture regularly, you're at less risk then of getting a stroke because sure, you're sure. trying to live more healthy. Absolutely. So I thought yep. that that yep. was an interesting. Yep. How many times has someone come into your office and mention that they have high blood pressure 
Right. So you treat it. Yeah. And the, the, the numbers start coming down. Right. You know, and I say, talk to your doctor about weaning off the, your meds. Right. Show them your numbers. Right. Have them give me a call. Uh, I'm not going to tell you to stop taking your medicine. Right. But I but will, you may I not need the you. same dose either, which it's exactly. not good to be on too high of sure. a dose. So. Sure. Yep. Yep. So some of the complications, the mm -hmm. chief complaints that mm -hmm. um, patients come in with after they've had a stroke. Talk to me about some of that. Mm -hmm. The big one is limited mobility. Okay. okay. Uh, walking or being unstable. Um, People, uh, have they're more people, likely to fall than you know, if they're not. Uh, yeah, fall risk. Uh, even before that is uh, hesitancy, a tentativeness to walking somewhere okay. because they need to put their foot up on t over a curb. And it, it's it's almost um, terrifying for them. Right. Imagine being an 89-year-old man and suddenly you can't walk up, you know, step over a curb. Right. Uh, it, it creates a really bad response, so there's a stress response in the body, you know, uh, and then the ability to do that is like a light bulb coming off in their head, you know, to watch them. Like, wow. I just did that. That was, right. a, that was pretty good. You know, and, and these are all things you know, that when, when I say this, I should have prefaced it with, these are things that acupuncture is helping with. These sure. are the things that you're helping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Um, painful swallowing, uh, inability to eat solid food. You know, chew See, and this and, was something and, and that, in my mind, I was thinking difficulty swallowing. It mm. didn't occur to me that because of the nerve sensitivity yeah. that happens after a stroke, that it could also be painful right. for the person to swallow yeah. and not just difficult to swallow. Yeah, yeah, it could be actually painful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fine motor skills, right? Go, yeah. You know, the ability to, 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 to pick up a paper clip versus a coffee cup versus broom handle or right. something like that dropping things you know. because they can't hold on right you know the ability to to, to to grab something and hold something you know so what we'll do is we have a, a grasp meter and and we'll do it beforehand and they'll get a certain number and then we'll do a treatment and it'll do another number and they can see that's so cool they got more strength from right. that and that's such a great feedback mechanism to them that they still got it right, right. in a way they still have it and I do this all the time with all my patients is as I say, see, your body can do it. It just needs more help to, to get you to back get there. there. And I'm going to do my part, and you need to do your part to, right. to bring us back there. You know, uh, limited mobility, swallowing, fine motor skills, um, hand-eye coordination, Okay. right, is practicing. I had a, a guy, I would have him practice, you know, certain uh, sequences, not just, not just to go from one finger to, to the index, next touching. but to go back and forth, you know stuff like that okay. so that he had to think about it right you know like i was saying earlier uh, when we had a conversation um walking down a hallway and reciting something yeah like the alphabet but skipping every other letter yeah i see right. and you said that but i'm thinking in my head <laughs> i would have a hard time start doing practicing that. Now. i know i'm gonna have this to practice to strengthen, now, so i'm like <laughs> strengthen yourself so so if anything happens you'll, you'll be ready to go right? and you were saying something um, about doing math things sometimes you do like math well I'll, I'll ask them about something i'll ask them how long ago something was okay. I'm, I'm trying to get i'm trying to stimulate their their left side of their brain to think okay. to function Right. Or I'm asking them to stimulate the right side of their brain. Right. Right. You know, I'll ask them, I'll, I'll tell them some obscure joke and see if, 
if they got it. How like how dad jokes? How they're processing it, right? Some really bad puns. So you have to have a lot of dad jokes in yeah. your repertoire? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of, whatever it takes, right? Self, right? Self-deprecating humor, right? So um, I wanted to move on to the, um, the there was a documentary made, and it followed a, a U.S. guy from Kentucky who had a stroke and he wound up going to the hospital in Tianjin to get acupuncture. And the, the way this all unfolded was uh, at the age of 40, Doug, I'm sorry, Devin Durth, um, he was a competitive bodybuilder and he was health focused. He was, he was driven in the very beginning of the movie. You see him, he's, he's doing those poses with the bronze skin and he's just like So a, not a someone with a lot of risk factors. That's you what's would, interesting. You would think. Right, you know what, what looks what's on the outside is not necessarily right. what's, what's on the inside. Right, um, very driven. Always gave a hundred hundred and ten percent of whatever he did. Um, his brother's name was 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 um, Doug. That's why I said Doug before. And his brother Doug was a movie producer, so he was able to document this whole story. And if you um, go on uh, Amazon, you can find uh, Nine Thousand Needles. It's a fantastic movie. Doctor Sher is in it. Um, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So yeah, so is, he had um, the stroke here. He didn't he, have the he, stroke in yeah. China. He was he was going to the gym like he does any other day, and suddenly the right side of his body went numb, and and his trainer buddy right away said, "What's going on?" You know, and he's like, "I don't know. I don't feel right." Like we've said, got him right to the hospital, but he continued to deteriorate. Uh, he was intubated. He was basically paralyzed from the neck down. He had a brainstem uh, stroke. Okay. Uh, couldn't move, so couldn't back, speak, back of the head. right in the base of the of the, base of, the of, skull. Of, the, of the brain, right. He wound up in intensive care for three weeks. Um, he wasn't moving, he wasn't responding. His vitals were unstable. You know, his heart rate would go up and down. His his um, breathing would go up and down. Um, blood pressure would would go crazy. Um, they got him stabilized, and he started to make progress. He was moving his fingers a little bit. He was responsive. And they moved him to a rehab facility, and th and here's where he gets goes into the you know, I'm sorry, the American uh, insurance company like um, process. This is our our plan know? of action kind plan of, of action. thing. Like there this is this is as much as we're going to do. Yeah. Kind of, I hate to say it, yeah. but and, you know, and and he got a lot of help, but it was you know three months, and he reached his maximum medical improvements. And they said, there's really nothing else we can do, and we're not going to pay for it because you've exhausted all, all your right. options here. And they knew there was more. Uh, you know, um, Devin himself, his, his wife, he had th has three kids, um, didn't want to give up. And um, at this point, he's a quadriplegic, really. He's right. in a wheelchair. He has slurred speech. And the family realizes, you know, if, if – and he can't do any activities, right? right? Like he's right. well, not he's, he's eating, a, he's not. He's being fed, he's being clothed, he's being right. put in bed. And otherwise know. previously healthy, somewhat healthy, 40-year-old yeah. yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, so um, they they were looking at hundred to $150,000 a month for care. For In-home care for, for him. To have, well, to have someone come in and take care of him, possibly have him in a... In a assisted living facility right. kind of place. But then when you think of the assisted living, how much one-on-one -on -one, like care are you getting to try right. and get, like, I think it's just at that point, palliative care. Right. There's, it's not so much like we're gonna try and get you 
were just making you comfortable, I feel like. Almost, yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't having any of that, even though he was, <laughs> right. you know, a quad at this point, right? Right. And his brother went to the American Stroke Association and found a book written by a woman who had been through this treatment in China. And um, to speed up the story a little bit, is they were able to go to China for three months at a fraction of what they would have been spending in the United Here States. For care. Right. So his, his, his uh, community, his church got together, they had a fundraiser, and they saved, they, you know, saved, um, raised a bunch of money for him. Probably not all they needed, uh, but they wind up in Tianjin, China. And in, from the first day, they start assessing him and treating him. He gets acupuncture within hours of arriving at the hospital. He gets herbal soaks for his leg, his knee, uh, fire cupping, electrical stimulation is added to the acupuncture points. They've got needles in his face, his head, his hands, his feet, his arms, his legs. They've got um, what we call bladder one needle, yeah. needled, you know, to support. Um, inside the eye for, him, for anyone. Yeah, well, not inside well, the eye, but inside the corner of the eye. Yeah, yeah not, um, not into the intraocular area. Right. But, um, but this is daily. He's getting treatment daily. daily. Right. And according to his brother, he, had, he was in Tianjin one day and was getting, given more treatment than um, one week back at home. Wow. And they were already seeing results. And you see it in the video, you know, in the film. Right. Um, they needle his leg. Uh, first, they, they show he can't really lift his leg off the bed. Okay. And then they needle his leg, and then he's lifting it off the leg. A little shakily, a little, little uh, haltingly, but it's the first day. Right. And he's going to be there for three months. Right. right? Uh, he gets assigned a, an orderly who takes care of his, his daily needs. And, and the important takeaway for me from this part, and I think this is what we do as acupuncturists in, in dis, uh, contradistinction, it's my, one of my favorite words, uh, <laughs> to the medical community is to really understand who this person is and what their needs are right. and, and what's, what's inside, right? Because right. This, this is what hap what's happened, right, is his body has closed off the outside world from us. He's still in there. Right. He's still very clearly making, you know, he's making it clear. He, he wants to go to China. Right. He's he willing to, to take go. this chance. He knows he's got no other options. Right. You know, um, and we just need to get in there and, and communicate with him. Right. Or, or get him to Light come, that fire. Get him to come out. Right? Yeah. And open things up. Right. So he has this orderly who's like combing his hair and putting hair gel in and giving him his little faux hawk <laughs> thing. You know, it, to me, that means so much. Yeah. Right. Rather than, like, as you said, you know, your your hair winds up being this yeah. like matted mess. I was you know? in after both surgeries from the way they, you know, like had me positioned. My hair was so knotted that I think it took my mother a half an hour <laughs> to to unknot it. I think she probably wanted to shave <laughs> my head at that point and get rid of all the hair but you know she combed it all out for me and yeah they they the hospital did not <laughs> didn't do that at all right so so um as as he improves he's able to speak uh haltingly but but he's he was not speaking before right, right. And one so he had no no none at all maybe some kind of yes no you know, like right. he couldn't, he couldn't form words more than grunting okay. really in the very beginning. Right. So at one point he says to his brother, he says, you haven't lived until you've had gotten needles in your tongue. <laughs> and they do like we, you know, we have points underneath the tongue that, that, we, needle. Where we, where, that we needle. And 
I've done them to myself. And uh, Kim Filkins and I were partners in our class, so we're needling each other's tongues and we're laughing as we're doing this because we're, first of all, we're right. terrified. But then we do and realize it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. You know, you feel a little pinch and then it's gone, just like any other point it's like, in the body. So, so kidney one, for our listeners, is on the bottom of the foot. And I think for the longest time, I had such a fear. Yeah. I don't know why I had such a fear of needling that. Like, why did I think that particular point? They told you. Would be so painful, but it's not. And it's so grounding and it's such a powerful point to needle. Mm. Yeah. It's the only point on yeah. the bottom of the foot. Right. Where yeah. like reflexology has the whole, whole body is whole on the foot. bottom yeah. of the foot. In in traditional Asian medicine, there's one, you know, kidney one on right. the bottom of the foot, the bubbling yep. spring where yep. the foot touches yep. the earth. So right. <clears throat> so the other great quote that I, I got from the movie was um, one of his um, caretakers. I'm not sure if she was a doctor or uh, a nurse or something. She said the, the Chinese way of helping is from the heart. You know, and all these people, they're going to make the same amount of money every day, no matter what they do. Right. Uh, and to watch him progress and, and to be present with him right. was their work. was And that was the gift at the right. same time, was to, to really help him get better. And uh, as the movie progresses, he's speaking more clearly. He speaks more quickly. His, he has little intonation that you notice okay. was, was long gone. The emotion behind right? it you is know? coming back. Yeah. Um, all sorts of little nuances that, yeah. that you may not notice before, right? His ability to walk, right? He needed someone to help him, but he was walking rather than being in a wheelchair. Um, and you can see his face, the structure of his face changed, you know? In, in the beginning, he had a blank affect, and then the tonicity returned, you know? And you could see that... Um, the change. You know, the Devon of last year right. was still there, you know? And, he, and, of course, his sense of humor, you know. They would ask him a question, and it might take 10 seconds for him to get a sentence out. But once he got to that last word, everybody in the room was cracking up right. because he was being funny about something, you know, looking on the bright side or, you know, right. being being tough. You know, he said um, a big thing he said was, uh, how come I'm not walking? And they said, you know, this is your situation now. You need to, you know, be stronger. You need to uh, be patient. You need to be all these things. He goes, it's easy for you to say, how come I'm not walking? You know, it's just, you know, <laughs> right. determined, you know, like you can really see that's, that's who he is. Right. You know? and, and it was still there with all this that happened. Right. You know? But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is he had a brainstem stroke. Uh, he improved greatly. Um, but the odds of coming back to a hundred percent Right. You know, we're probably never more than 50-50. Right. And I think he got back more than 50%. Right. You know, of his, of his function, you know. And um, on the first year anniversary of his stroke, his brother said to him, so what do you want to do? You know, tomorrow's the, you know, the big day. Uh, do you want to have a barbecue? Do you want to get a cake? You want just want to hang out in the backyard? What do you want to do? He goes, I want to go to the gym. So. That's where they went. You know, that's where they went. So. Uh, did you want to say anything else about uh, Devin? Uh, he before he we move did on? actually pass he away. Did pass away. He lived for another six years, though. Yep. And I truly believe that without the acupuncture component, like had they not taken that leap of faith yep. and brought him to China and done the three months of care, that he probably would not have made it to that one-year anniversary. Right. And 
you know, unfortunately, we don't have a setup like that here in the <clears throat> United States where someone could spend. Oh, we do. Three, well, now we do, but I feel like back then you didn't, right. couldn't have the to find someone who was even going to do that because now right. you've studied under right. Dr. Shu and Clayton has studied under Dr. Shu, but I feel like it definitely gave him, and it wasn't right. just that he got another six years; it was right. a quality, not just the quantity of six years of. It wasn't just six years of laying in bed and getting bed sores right. and feeling like crap and you know he had a better quality during that time right so i feel like that's important to realize that you know the difference that acupuncture can make in mm -hmm. the quality not just the quantity of of adding those extra years right and it, the reason i'm spending so much time on this is because of clayton shoe right and his drive to bring this to the united states where stroke is right really epidemic, right? right? Is so much of our population is, is having a stroke and then living a horrible life. Right. You know, maybe I shouldn't say horrible life, but a, a life of- a less uh, quality than you, you know, had before. You know, a huge uh, deficit in quality and teaching so many of us to treat people this way and getting some incredible results, right. you know, I mean, which I, I have in my case studies that we'll, we'll get to in a second. Um, but you know his thing is we want a hundred thousand needles, not nine thousand. We want a right. hundred thousand needles. We, you know, is he teaches me and I, tr I right. spend a hundred thousand needles helping all these people. Right. And so does Sandra, and so does Caroline, and so does John Cooker and Kim right. Filkins, and all all our, my colleagues right. around the country. Yeah, I mean, I would think that that would be the goal is to make sure that there's somebody in every single state that could give that quality of care and that every single person who has a stroke knows that acupuncture mm -hmm, mm -hmm, can mm -hmm, exactly. give this benefit. Right. So you have some of your own case studies that mm -hmm, you're going to share mm -hmm. with us, right? Mm -hmm. So the first one is a 55 year old female who had um, sort of a minor stroke, you know, compared to Devin Durth uh, affecting the left side of her arm and leg, and she had a lot of numbness and tingling and loss of um, muscle tonicity, okay, in, in the face too, and um, general weakness, okay, for nine months before she came to me, and the way she came to me was through a referral from someone else who had taken uh, Clayton okay. Shoe's classes. Somewhere else. You know, in uh, Maryland, I think she's, okay. she's from, uh, and she had a friend up here and said, hey, there's someone real close to you. So, you know, she came in and we did an assessment and came up with uh, a treatment plan of two times a week for four weeks. And after that, we reevaluated and we switched down to once a week um, for 15 weeks. And we got interrupted with um, COVID, uh, but I had her taking some herbal tea, which she loves. She actually just called me today to, to make sure that um, it, it's arriving and it's going to yeah. be delivered to the, tomorrow or Wednesday or something like that. And I'll arrange, I'll arrange for... Um, her to get that because so um, after the after the the bulk of COVID hit you were able to resume treatment then. right right and even then she came back and she didn't backslide excellent you know she still had just a little bit like really it was like down to the palm of her hand okay. and, and the bottom of her foot okay. her arm was fine the leg was fine the face was was had been resolved long ago you know um but she really enjoys the tea and she finds that it really does help her um, it'll, Excellent. it'll, you know, it'll go away. You know, now, from was that a tea. formula that like 
Clayton recommended, Dr. Shu uses in China, or just? No, it's a, a um, botanical biohacking okay. uh, wind tea, is okay. what it's called. You know. Excellent. I, ironically enough, <laughs> it's a wind tea for wind stroke. Okay. So um, she's doing really great with that. Really Excellent. simple formula. You know, I think it's it's a patent, right? Okay. And uh, she's doing great. Very cool. Yep. She actually wrote up a, uh, or gave me a video uh, testimonial, which I won't play here because I don't want to. Um, but you have that on your website. Yeah, it's on my website. Yeah, so you know. if you visit Ron's And it's a little website. long, too. So, All right, The second one was a uh, 45-year-old male who it turned out, we didn't know this in the beginning, was we had worked in the same building at AT&T in my former life. Oh, wow. And I, but it wasn't someone you knew. I thought I knew him. He was like building, okay. like the building management people. Okay. As opposed to people I would work with, you know. And um, anyway, he had a he had a kind of, you know, a, a stronger. Again, 45 years old, though, young. You're not yes. talking about, this yes. is like what we were saying before. It's not just the old person's, it's. No, yeah, not at all. 45 yeah. is young. So his stroke affected his speech, his swallowing, uh, his gross and fine motor skills. He had trouble walking, uh, stepping up on curbs, stepping up on stairs. Um, he had trouble raising his arm. You know, and you'll see people, they'll, they'll kind of try and throw their arm okay. when, when they can't do that. You know, when Give they it some leverage to try know. and get it yeah. to. Yeah, you know, well, they're, they're trying to communicate. You know, right. if, if, you, if your arm has ever fallen asleep and you're trying to move it, yes. you know, you, you kind of know like slightly what it feels like um, to, to not have control over that appendage. You know? Right. So, um, again, a, uh, an evaluation. I took video of him walking up and down my long hallway and I could see him listing to the right, you know, and um, set up a plan of two times a week for 10 weeks. Um, after that time, we reevaluated. And he was able to start walking up steps, you know, one step at a time. He would bring one leg up, and then he would bring the other leg up. Um, you know, he really, he, he could have used more treatment, but they elected not to. Okay. Because of the cost, really. Okay. You know, and that's, that becomes a big problem is, you know, in the United States, healthcare costs, right? Right. And people. It's always. Um, um, and you're doing different evaluations so that they can see their, their progress as well. Right. You know, lots of talking about that. And again, lots of questioning, lots, right. you know, lots of what are you doing differently from from last week? Right. What are you able to do now? Let's not forget you couldn't pick up a coffee cup. Right. You know, when you started three weeks ago and now you're picking up not only a coffee cup, but you're able to open up a pair of glasses and put right. them on, you know, or, or, op or um, open and close a pen. Right. Right. And you uh, also take video, like too, though, in yeah. your clinic yep. so that they yep. you're you know, videoing at certain reevaluation points so that they can, right. they, you can show them their progress. Right. If they, yep. they try and say, well, I don't think it's making a difference. Right. It's like right. me with the right. cosmetic right. acupuncture. Well, right. let me just pull up your pictures from when we started. If you have video <laughs> of them, right. like you were saying before, listing to one side when they're going down the hallway and now they can walk without that happening. Right. You have that video proof of yep. that. Yep. Can we put up um, slide uh, study two? Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, you need to keep reminding them of that stuff because they're like Devin Durth, right? They're like, how come I'm not walking? Right. Right. Why am I not running? You know. Right. Reminds me of my friend who uh, he went to the ER because he he had a nail gun and he put these three fingers together with a nail gun, and the guy said, you know, we're gonna hit, we're gonna pull it out, we're gonna clip the end of it, we're gonna keep going through, and he said, will I be able to play piano? 
And the guy said, yeah. He goes, well, that's amazing because I couldn't play before. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so the, the, um, when I was in school, we, um, the extent of my exposure to, you know, neurological when it comes to stroke was doing scalp treatments where you were threading the needles into points in the scalp and lines on the scalp but you were saying that this technique is very different from that and mm -hmm. that you're mm -hmm. you know you're treating you know the whole body and focusing mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the different symptoms and not just those scalp points right right and we do use the scalp points but we don't limit ourselves to right using that's what the, i mean the, limiting the scalp, points. Sure. The scalp points. sure because there there are a lot of points on the scalp and they're related to the gallbladder line, and the gallbladder line is related to the whole, right. uh, you know, flank of the body. So there's that reason there, and there's a number of other reasons I, I won't delve into. We're looking a little short on time. Um, but we use the scalp points. We use right. them kind of differently, though. Okay. Know, it's more like a gallbladder point, okay. point kind of thing, and it's they're threaded this way versus... To being, send the energy being, this being way. Threaded. Yeah, well... Right. For those who hear the Things song, are getting excited here at the Practical Medicine Podcast, <laughs> Contact Sport. So let's finish up with this. Um, yeah, this, uh, this guy, Mr. C. I'll call him. Uh, his his speaking was still difficult, but it didn't prove. Okay. His 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 speech was 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 probably the hardest part of this one. Uh, I think he might have had a, a stutter. Okay. Beforehand. Okay. You know, they didn't want to talk much about that. You know. Interesting. But, um, but like I like I have here, um, you know, I'll, I'll usually do a video on a periodic basis to okay. to show them progress. You know, not just at the beginning and the end, but also in the middle. Just and not at every visit because I'm thinking no, subtleties. Like if you were right. if you were doing ten treatments and you take a video at every one, right. you're not really seeing. Versus if you take it at the first one, yeah. five, and then ten. Mm -hmm so that it's kind of like the halfway of yeah. the initial treatment plan. Right. Yeah, okay. you don't want to do it too often because then the expectations are that things will always change. Right. And, you know, it's not a straight line. Right. You know. So um, moving on to more general, uh, like we said, we were talking about scalp. Um, it's, it's, it's focused on really the whole body, right? If they're, right. If they're, if they're experiencing a, a leg issue, they're gonna, we're going to do... Uh, treatments along the sacrum, um, along the back of the leg. Um, a lot of spinal points? Not really, okay. except for in the cervical spine. Okay. Okay, because of the, the brain stem okay. and its relation to the, the rest of the brain, right? Okay. Um, but... Um, but distal points too. Ankle, a lot of ankle points okay. for any kind of drop foot type... Um, Issues? Paralysis, yeah. Okay. You know, you'll see if you watch 9,000 Needles, you know, they... They'll, they'll go all the way through. They don't pop out the other side, but you, know, you can see a little, little yeah. bump there. And um, he really responded to it. And yeah. the next thing you know, he's moving his foot where right. his whole leg was paralyzed before. before. You know, and it's just amazing to watch, you know. Um, and, and like we talked about at the, I think in the very first podcast, you could have 10 people who come in with a stroke all those 10 people are not getting the same exact treatment. It's specific to what they have going on. Right. So yeah. that's the other thing that yeah. is, you know, where a, a Western medication for something is just 
all 10 of you are going to get the same drug, all 10 patients are not going to get the same exact treatment. So it's customized to what they have going on and what they're presenting with. For exactly. You. Exactly. You know, and there's a core. Right. Of, no, of things, I get that. But right. there'll be variations and um, some of it might be delved into more deeply than other parts. Right. You know, so actually in my notes, I have a whole different uh, system to record that because okay. it's, you know, I know I'm going to do Ten, maybe a, of the 30 things I might do, I'm going to do seven of them for you and 14 of them for someone else. And there's going to be an overlap of three or five or something. Right. Like that. It doesn't, you know, it's unimportant. It just makes it easier for me to keep track right. of those things, you know, uh, and a big part of what we do is, 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 you know, and the great examples are in that movie is, um, how exactly we needle, you know, um, it's not, it's not cookie cutter. You can't run a video and go, Oh, I'll just do what that guy does. Okay. This, this is hours of training with someone like Dr. Clayton shoe, right? Uh, exactly how to needle this particular point. Yeah. And you say, wow, TCM doesn't do that at all. That's, that's different. That's, right. Why are you doing it that way? And here's the reason, you know, there's slides that will Explain why you're doing exactly each thing with why, each point. You know, and, they, and they're coming from China. They're not made right. up by Dr. Shu. Dr. Yeah. Shu made up. They're were designed by Dr. Shu. Right. You know, um, a big part of it is communicating with patients, right? Asking lots of questions, really connecting with them. Um, gentle touch, right? Your hand on their shoulder, look in the eye, you know, to let them know. Like, you're not really talking to their caregiver. You're talking right. to them. You know, it's very important that you establish a connection with that person. Right. You know, because that's who you're working with. And we tend to look to the person who's interpreting. Like we're asking them to ask um, the questions and yeah. you're right. Like yeah. make them feel like they're a yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yep. So. Home care, homework, home yeah, care. Yeah, what do you do at um, home for them? I, I always advocate for a anti-inflammatory diet. Okay. I'm going to put up a little link in the uh, chat box for that because uh, i think you know the last thing they need is more inflammation in their body right and usually most anti-inflammatory diets are generally more healthy than you know we all, i i love my fried foods i i <laughs> we go through a lot of olive oil in my in my house um you know like i don't have bread anymore but i used to you know dip the bread in olive oil all the time. So most anti-inflammatory diets mm -hmm. are, you know, mm -hmm. eliminating sometimes things like gluten, which even if you don't have an issue with gluten can create more inflammation for people. Right. Uh, a, a big thing is if they can get massages mm -hmm. for the patient. I really advocate for a professional massage. It's nice to have a family member do that. You know, if you're on a, you know, you're worried about, um, budgets and stuff, right. but a competent massage therapist who knows about stroke knows what to massage and what not to massage. Right. right? We don't want to create a problem where there isn't one right. now. You know, and some people have a might be afraid now. of that as massage sure. therapists. So a massage therapist that's trained yes. Yes. more in that is going to be more adept and realize that the right. benefits of it, like when we were chatting and you were talking right. about how the foot massage aspect of it, like just to have your feet massaged at the end of the day feels mm -hmm. so amazing. Right. Um, or even your hands, just mm -hmm. the hands massaged mm -hmm. feels so fantastic. 
Very important. I mean, um, as a former massage therapist, I'm never going to tell people not right, to get right. massage. Yeah. My roots are, yeah. are, are yeah. heavily linked to massage therapy. So right. I always, right. you know, I feel like I advocate for everyone to have massage. <laughs> everyone should get a massage. I, I encourage Just that. like I think everyone should get acupuncture. Right. Um, and and um, light exercise okay. with that. Right, is even so if, no marathons no marathons <laughs> uh, if they are able to walk continue to walk right mm -hmm. you know a anything that they can do try to do uh, you know a little bit each day very light i'm, I'm big for on um, low impact okay. right? i'll tell a lot of my patients to do some light stretching pick a song they like mm -hmm. and then pick a position they like like you know but then one leg over the other to stretch their low back okay. and just hang out for three minutes listening to their song yeah you know if it's twice as long Stop, you know, swap over in the middle and do the other side. Right. But relax and breathe into that stretch right. the whole time, you know, uh, which brings us to the next one, breathing exercises, mm -hmm. you know, especially someone with a stroke who might be chair bound is to breathe and strengthen their lungs. You know, I have video um, instructions that mm -hmm. I can uh, point people to. Okay. So, so usually a subscription service. On your website, um, you have on, that. Link. On my website, yeah. where you know you pay one price and you've got these instructions forever. You can share them with your friend if you want. Uh, it, it is nice to pay the practitioner who put in all the time to develop these, right? Because they really are more than just um, breathe deep, feel your belly right. kind, of, kind of thing. You know, it's a lot about Chinese medicine, um, building Wei Chi, your your um, protective Chi, right? Um, uh, nourishing your spirit, the Shen in Chinese right. medicine, and things like that. So uh, very important um, for someone who is really uh, homebound and right. waiting from one treatment to another to get better. Right. right. These are the little things you can do that are going to make all those other things like physical therapy, massage, acupuncture, um, occupational therapy, right. um, speech therapist. You're going to make those things more be uh, beneficial you're going to benefit right. much more from them by doing these greater little, impact little things right right yep. do yep. um do a lot of the family members come in and get treated simultaneously i, I was just going to say that that is a brilliant idea it's so necessary right uh, in the case of of devon we've got you know 110 pound wife trying to hustle this 200 10 pound, 220 pound man right. who, who's dead weight around the bed, the house, the bathroom, whatever. Um, it's devastating. Right. Like she really couldn't do it. That's why they were looking at, you know, in-home care. Um, and that's just the physical part, right? There's right. the emotional toll. Yes. Um, the, the spiritual toll, the psychological toll. Right. So for them to get care is almost as important, right? Is right. How can you help shuttle this other person uh, to and from all these offices right. for care and not take care of yourself. Right. You're going to get sick. And if, and you know. you know, in a lot of cases, the person who's had the stroke has to have someone else, you know, their caregiver is bringing them. So if they're there, I'm thinking even if they just did like the auricular protocol just for stress relief so that, you know, they're laying on the table while you're, you know, doing the other things that how beneficial 
that is. And I mean, we'll probably do a whole other podcast on self-care and care for the caregiver. But I know like in this situation, my dad hadn't had a stroke, but with his MS. So my dad was six foot two and my mother was five foot two. My mother is probably still only 110 pounds soaking wet. And there were times when, yeah, if my dad fell, it was a huge effort to pick him up. Eventually they had a lift, a Hoyer lift that they could, you know, lift him up with. But um, I think that we don't always talk about the, um, like you said, the psychological and the impact Mm -hmm. that it Mm -hmm. has on the the caregiver. They are often left to the wayside. So, And, And my experience has been a lot of those people will say, oh, no. I, you know, not me. You got to take care of that person. Right. But that that's, that goes back to the that <laughs> cliche of, you know, if you're in the plane and the oxygen mask comes down, exactly. you still have to put yours on first before you help anybody else on the plane. And exactly. if you're, you're not, not going to be able to. Yeah. If right. you're not taking care of yourself and the stress that the other person, you know, having this going on you know then you're not going to be able to care and your your tension level rises like you know no matter how much you want to pretend that you know it's easy it's not and the stress level of right. it wears on you after time exactly so, so one of the things i ha- have developed in my office is a low cost treatment where i don't diagnose them mm-hmm. i give them some ear points right that down regulate the nervous system reduce stress um, support their liver, kidney, heart. Right. right. All the things that get stressed. All the things that get stressed. And also the, um, the nervous system, right? So that they get a wonderful treatment and, it, you know, they benefit so well easy. from it and it's yeah. quick and easy and it's, and it's um, at a price point that's right. easier for them to, to get their head around. Right. In a nutshell, you know. Um, so did we have any questions from anybody in the audience? I think we may have covered them. Okay. Just want to make sure if there mm-hmm. were. Okay. Do you see any, Ming? Uh, just a lot of comments. Uh, just Dero, comments. Yeah, Daryl Thoroff, uh, massage therapist, can uh, help teach uh, caregivers some techniques to do at home between massage sessions as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hillary Guerin, Hillary Balco. <laughs> Hello, first time caller. Uh, do you have a list of warning signs to look for when you suspect someone might be having a stroke? Oh, I think someone missed a slide. <laughs> and we can list those underneath the podcast as sure, well, sure. like a quick and easy. Yeah, we can. This is how actually you, you can you know. put up the the, um, the fast slide. Yeah, there are yeah, a couple slides that talk about that. Um, well, basically, diabetes, overweight. Uh, high blood pressure. It's, it'll be like a quiz. What do what do people remember? What can, what no, I think she was thinking of the warning signs to look for. Oh, the fast. The fast. Yeah, yeah the that's, face that's dropping. What was, that's what I was thinking. That quick. Drooping face, um, numb in the arm. Um, Speech difficulty, and, right. and just to the as quick as you can call nine one one. Which are, those are great points to reiterate anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, as far as anybody's concerned, if there's anything you take away from it, it's that slide right yeah, there. Yeah, the fast slide. Is if you see somebody struggling, you know. Um, Better just safe popped into my head a, a story, uh, one of my old managers back at AT&T days uh, was jogging down the street, 
and he was passing another guy it was coming his way. It was um, it was springtime. People are starting to get out. The weather's a little better. And here was this man huffing and puffing, clearly overweight, jogging. And he, my boss turned around to head back the other way, and there he was laying in the street. Oh, my gosh. You know, but, and this is back in the day when you didn't have a cell phone. He ran up to the first house right. and had him call 911, went back to him, started doing CPR on the guy. Yeah. You know, is you never know when you might be in a situation where you can change a life. Right. You know. Right. So if we don't have any other questions, mm -hmm. um, our next podcast will be in two weeks on November 16th. And we're going to broadly start covering gynecology and acupuncture. Um, it's when I say broadly, there's so many subcategories that I'm sure we will have to do individual podcasts about like just as an example, endometriosis alone, I think I could probably talk about that for two hours, but we're just going to start broadly covering how acupuncture can help with a number of gynecological conditions, what normal periods look like, um, and the different, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's acupuncture mm -hmm. and herbs and how mm -hmm. it can help and things that people can do mm -hmm. at home. Just the notion of normal, yes. I find, is um, a fascinating topic when yes. you talk to... Uh, you know, a teen, I'll have a patient bring in a teenager. Oh, let me bring my daughter in, you know, or something like that. And yeah. they say, I said, do you have headaches? And they say, oh, normal. <laughs> yeah, that's not normal. So we'll, we'll <laughs> save the rest of that story for, yes. for next time. So but, um, I just want to remind everyone to like us on Facebook. We each have our individual Facebook business pages and Instagram pages. All that stuff is listed underneath. So, uh, Dr. Rob and I both have YouTube channels that you can subscribe to. Uh, while I have not uploaded our podcast to it yet, the Practical Medicine Podcast has its own YouTube channel that eventually everything will be uploaded there. Um, so we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Ming, for taking care of everything for us and stay healthy. And thanks for listening. Thank you. The contents presented during the Practical Medicine Podcast include information about various modalities that exist to achieve health and wellness and are for informational purposes only. You acknowledge and agree that the following disclaimers and warnings shall apply to all content presented. The podcast contains the opinions of Dr. Robert Balco, D-A-C-L-A-C, and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki, D-A-C-M-L-A-C, and the guests of their show. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding any medical condition. The views expressed in the Practical Medicine Podcast are our own and do not represent those of all licensed acupuncture professionals. Always seek the help of your own acupuncturist or medical provider to determine your best course of action. You may want to use the information presented as a supplement to better understand your diagnosis or treatment, but it should not be the sole thing that you use to make important medical decisions. Do not use the content of the podcast in lieu of medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice 
or delay seeking care because of something you have heard on this podcast. Privacy is important to us. Thus, all people, places, and scenarios have been changed where applicable to protect privacy and maintain confidentiality.